Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Trevor Best to the show. Trevor Best is the founding CEO of Syzygy Plasmonics. Syzygy Plasmonics is pioneering a new type of chemical reactor driven by light rather than heat, enabling the potential for dramatically more efficient chemical manufacturing. Trevor has a demonstrated track record of success in a corporate setting from management to entrepreneurship. He graduated from Texas Tech University with a triple major in international business, marketing, and management with a minor in Spanish while also learning Chinese. Trevor, how are you doing today? You know, all things considered uh, with the craziness of the world right now, I am doing pretty good. I am just focusing on counting my blessings uh, that, that my family and my company are healthy through what is happening with uh, COVID-19. And for those of you listening, it's the middle of April. And as Trevor mentioned, we're currently going through the pandemic. And he was kind enough in the middle of this to spend some time talking to me about his company. So Trevor, I really appreciate you out of the gate for doing that. Thank you very much. So Trevor, I'd like to kick the show off with this question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? That's an interesting question for me. So uh, I have always been a little avant-garde with my life. So I will give you a buffet to choose from. Whenever I was in high school, I played hockey, did theater and debate, and was a cheerleader for one year. In college, I was a uh, punk. I had a giant blue mohawk. I would skateboard around and spray paint on my clothes. And now I have uh, left a Fortune 500 company to scale up a you know, world-changing technology and to try and disrupt the energy industry, which is one of the oldest and most established industries out there. I love it. It sounds like an eclectic background. It's, it's been a life. And uh, let me tell you, I have enjoyed every minute of it. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear it. You know, and since you mentioned your company, can you share a little bit about your current endeavor? Yeah. So uh, the name of my company is Syzygy Plasmonics. What we are doing is developing a completely new type of chemical reactor. Unlike uh, current chemical reactors today, you know, imagine something like a giant chemical plant or a refinery. Our reactor is able to perform chemical reactions with light that comes from high efficiency LEDs instead of needing heat, which comes from burning fossil fuel. Uh, what this allows us to do, it allows us to do chemical reactions and uh, we are able to energize those reactions with renewable electricity, powering our LEDs, and uh, doing them at ultra low temperature allows us to uh, build our reactors at a very low cost materials and reduce cost. So uh, a low cost reactor powered by renewable electricity, end of the day, you get uh, cheaper, cleaner chemicals. Uh, this is a platform tech. We have used it uh, to perform more than a dozen different chemical reactions. The one that we're most interested in taking to market first is uh, hydrogen production. So making hydrogen uh, on site for small scale consumers like uh, semiconductors, you know, and fuel cell vehicles. So can you go a little bit more in depth regarding the hydrogen production? Yeah. So uh, what we are doing is uh, we are able to make hydrogen through two different pathways. One is uh, hydrogen from methane, and the other is hydrogen from ammonia. Uh, both of these pathways are very important. So 
So most of the world's hydrogen is made using methane today. Uh, ours is different in that uh, we also do not have to burn fossil fuels to produce heat to, to make that methane turn into hydrogen. So by using renewable electricity to power our process, we're able to reduce the emissions of hydrogen from methane by about 50%. And uh, the economics of doing this are very, very good. So we see this as a near-term solution that can help the world start reducing uh, emissions from hydrogen production today. Hydrogen from ammonia is uh, equally exciting. And if you're using renewable ammonia, this has the potential to be completely carbon-free. Uh, you can't buy renewable ammonia yet, but we anticipate that it will start hitting the market around the middle of this decade. So we view this pathway as a more long-term solution, something where we can get uh, hydrogen for no emissions at all. So start near-term with hydrogen from methane, you know, reduce costs and emissions, long-term go into true zero-emission hydrogen for uh, industrial users and, and users like fuel cell vehicles. Appreciate you sharing that. And without giving away too much regarding your technology, can you give an expanded example of how that light works to do that? Yeah. So let me tell you a little backstory about the company and how, how we got to where we are today. And so there are two professors at Rice University. They are Professor uh, Naomi Hollis and Professor Peter Nordlander. And they have been researching a field of science called nanophotonics for about three decades. So nanophotonics is the study of how light and matter interact at the nanoscales. So, so they make these very tiny nanoparticles. Uh, you, you could fit a trillion, you know, trillion with a T on, on one of your fingernails, very, very small. And so the professors have gotten the, the science down to the point where they can make these nanoparticles into excellent light harvesters. So they are able to basically capture 100% of the photons, you know, photons or light that get sent to them. And uh, when they capture that photon, they end up turning it into uh, another form of energy called a plasmon. And ultimately that plasmon turns into a very highly charged electron. So in the past few years, what they've started to do is combine these plasmonic light harvesting nanoparticles with traditional catalysts. These are the same types of catalysts that are used in industry today. So whenever you think about like a big chemical plant, the same types of catalysts used there. So they are actually putting those catalysts on the outside of these nanoparticles. And suddenly you have this system where you have this nanoparticle that is very good at harvesting light. And you have a traditional catalyst that is very good at making chemical reactions happen, you know, combined together. And, and what it has done is created the world's most stable and active photocatalyst. Uh, photocatalyst is you know, a material that uses light to catalyze chemical reactions. Uh, our photocatalyst is you know, many orders of magnitude more stable and more active and more efficient than any other photocatalyst to date. And so I, I mentioned those things because those are all very important from a uh, chemical engineering standpoint. Because so, it's able, go ahead. I was going to say, I really appreciate you sharing that, but keep going. Yeah, so uh, I, I mentioned those because they're very important from a chemical engineering standpoint. Uh, previous photocatalysts, they have never been able to compete with traditional catalysts because those metrics were, were never good enough. 
and ours changes that. In addition to our catalyst, in the past few years, the LED industry has started to create some very high efficiency, high intensity LEDs that work perfectly with our catalyst. So suddenly, today, there is a new possibility that didn't exist a few years ago. One, we have the catalyst material, which is able to use the light to do chemical reactions. And two, we have the high efficiency light to, to you know, supply that catalyst with energy. And those two things have only come about in the past you know, 24 to 36 months. And we are at the absolute bleeding edge of human knowledge in this field and in working to you know, bring it to industry to help people make cheaper, cleaner chemicals using renewable electricity. So no, it's interesting you say that because Peter Diamandis just released a book recently and it's called something along the lines of The Future is Faster Than You Think. And the key takeaway from that book is the convergence of technologies. So it sounds like to me that serendipitous moment, the convergence of technologies is something that you're leveraging right now for your technology. Very much so. Like if one or the other had been, you know, if we were trying this five years ago, and like let's say the LEDs were developed earlier or the catalyst was developed earlier, our technology wouldn't have been possible because the other wasn't ready yet. And it's quite amazing, actually, because what we're finding is it, it, the, the examples I'm giving are still pretty high level. There are a lot of other technologies that we're leveraging right now, like, for example, 3D printing. And uh, we're finding that like 3D printing is you know, right at a point where we can make structures that we weren't really able to machine before. And that's helping us out. And so there are a whole lot of technologies that are just now hitting the fore that that we're able to utilize to accomplish our goals. And it's, like you said, serendipitous. It's kind of an amazing experience. It is. And, you know, you mentioned 3D printing. And just this morning, I was reading an article regarding perhaps now is the time for, you know, additive manufacturing, considering the situation we're going through right now and the factories having to shut down. But yet we need certain goods. You know, the, the conversation was around ventilators, I believe. So, you know, perhaps 3D printing is seeing its moment right now, too. Yeah, and a positive note on that, I've been watching the community here in Houston, and uh, you've got organizations like TXRX that uh, have 3D printing machines, and they're now utilizing those to make things like face masks, and, and you know, you mentioned the ventilator components to be used in Texas Medical Center. And so you see the community stepping up and using these new technologies to, to help fight something that we didn't even know existed you know, four months ago. And so, well, I guess five months ago, but uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Well, Trevor, switching gears a little bit, you know, the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you're doing. What drives you? You know, obviously you mentioned your eclectic background, working for a Fortune 500 company. You know, you have opportunity costs for doing what you're doing. What drives you to currently stay with this endeavor? Well, it's funny because this is a question that I think about a lot. And something that has been a prevailing theme in my life since I've been young was actually, you know, search for meaning. Like, what is, you know, purpose? Why are we here? And, you know, it's a question that I used to ask myself every day driving into work. And, and ultimately, that commute into work, uh, 30 minutes on, on Highway 290 in Houston, 
of why am I doing this was what led me to quit and what led me to start a company. What I've kind of come to, to realize is that you know meaning in life and, and purpose for me is wrapped up in you know doing something good, doing something that makes the world better than than when I found it. And in my previous endeavors professionally, you know, I didn't really feel like I was getting that. I didn't feel, you know, compelled to, to go into work because I wasn't sure what benefit it was giving society. And so I thank God I, I found a wonderful co-founder, Dr. Suman Kadiwada. He's a really incredible human being who shared this mindset. And we actually went on a journey together to find something that mattered, something that could make this world a better place, something that could tackle one of the big problems that that we felt like society was facing and start a company around it. Uh, we looked at a lot of stuff. We looked at things in the medical industry, because obviously health is something that's, that's on a lot of people's mind. And, and I do think it's something that can be greatly improved upon. But uh, you know, climate change is another big one. And so we wanted to find something that could kind of help disrupt the status quo and you know, make the world uh, a place that, that we're proud of. Because it's time for change. We can't keep doing what we've been doing for the past hundred years uh, without some pretty serious consequences. I appreciate you sharing that. Pushing on the journey a little bit, you know, for someone that might be listening right now who wants to go on a similar journey or has similar questions around meaning and purpose, can you perhaps share some tactical steps that you and your co-founder took to, you know, go down that journey or your exploration? Absolutely. And uh, what I'm going to do is start with the individual first. And so the first thing that I think anyone needs to do is sit down and think really hard about what matters to them and, and the things that they love and what it is that they want to do with their life. I see a lot of entrepreneurs who go after something shiny without really thinking about about their own internal purpose. And usually, you know, whenever you get in a year, two years, three years into the battle, whatever it is you're working on isn't shiny anymore. You know, it is ragged and war-torn. And, and only through sheer force of will can you get it across the finish line. And uh, the people who started with purpose, with something meaningful, uh, are the ones who can find the strength to get it there. So, you know, go look in the mirror for a little bit and, and ask yourself, like, what is it that, that I love and what is it that I really care about? And once you've got a clear definition on that, then start to try and set off in a direction that satisfies that. The second thing is uh, I would always recommend don't go it alone. If you can find, you know, someone in your life to help support you, it could be a co-founder, mentors, you know, uh, especially on the business side. Of course, you need friends and family, but on the business side, you know, try and find business connections that, that can help support you because, you know, the, the team is really only as strong as the weakest link. And I'm convinced that, that it is incredibly hard to make an endeavor successful on your own. And so those are the two things that, that I started with. One was like, what matters to me? Two was, okay, who am I going to do this with? I found my co-founder, Dr. Kadiwada. And then now we're getting into like the tactical. How did we look at these different technologies and evaluate them? 
And uh, we came up with a framework. It was a technology market and impact. Uh, jokingly, we called it TMI because it was a lot of info. But we would uh, start by looking at the technology. Is it a, you know, is it ready to commercialize? Has it reached a point where, where there's some possibility to it? Is there defensible uh, intellectual property behind it? You know, what does the IP space look like? Uh, you know, is it actually, you know, world changing or is it just iterative? Uh, if, if you go read a bunch of academic papers, you'll find that, that many of them are iterative and do not greatly improve on something that was discovered five years ago or 10 years ago. But a select few are, are truly groundbreaking. And those are the ones that we wanted to focus on. And uh, also make sure like in the IT landscape that, uh, you know, there's not, not too many people who try and sue us out of existence the day we get started. Uh, then the second one, market, you know, talk to customers, you know, is their product market fit? If you turn this into a product, what the economics look like, you know, building out, you know, economic models, you know, try and work out the unit economics. And if I sell one, 10, 100, 1,000, what does it look like? Uh, talk to customers, will people actually buy this? Does it produce value? And, and get a good feel for, for whether or not there's potential to sell this technology whenever it reaches its end state. And then finally was, was the impact piece. And that was based off that, that personal purpose. Uh, if we don't have something that's creating a positive impact, then I know I'm going to lose interest in it pretty quickly. So we developed some frameworks to assess, you know, like carbon emissions reduction, uh, you know, assess the, the impact on local economies for, you know, bringing our technology in and, and how it can help, you know, grow jobs. And so through those, we probably evaluated a few dozen different technologies. There were a couple that made it close to the finish line. But uh, this, this technology that Syzygy is based on, our photocatalyst, man, we just kept trying to kill it. Like, <laughs> how much does it cost to scale up? How many, how much of the catalyst can we synthesize at one time? You know, what's, what's the one pa uh, single pass yield? What's the efficiency? Like we just battered it with every question we could and it, it just wouldn't die. And so after about eight months of extreme due diligence, it's like, oh, I guess this is the one. It's uh, time to quit our jobs and learn how to fly. And that's a, that's a whole other story there. Well, you know, and I appreciate you getting to that point and thank you for sharing that framework. It's extremely useful. But that point you left off with, the point where you make the leap from security into uncertainty. How would, like, what did that feel like? And how would you, uh, you know, it's hard to give advice generally. And one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, advice for the audience. But how would you suggest someone might navigate that leap? And, you know, at what point do you feel like, perhaps for yourself, were you comfortable enough to make that leap? So there's a balance. And, and I, I love the 80-20 the rule. You know, whenever you're about 80% ready, it's time to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to focus on mitigating your biggest risks. Like, for example, uh, you know, right now might not be the time to open a bar. <laughs> in, in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis where people are still under shelter-in-place orders, it is probably too much of a risk to open a bar at this moment. <laughs> And so you need to, you need to use some common sense and try and mitigate some of your bigger risks. Like, you know, whenever we talked about the market, 
you know, work to understand product market fit and build out the, uh, you know, revenue models to make sure that if you scale, you can actually make money later. But once you've been doing that for a, a pretty significant amount of time, a couple months, and whatever it is you're working on, whatever idea, you know, is, is holding up to all these things. And through work, you can find ways to, that you can see it make money. Then, then it's probably time to make the leap. Uh, I've, I've known a lot of people who really want to, but they, they want to get to a point of like a hundred percent assurance that it's going to work. And that'll just never happen. <laughs> There's, there's never a hundred percent certainty, but once you hit about eighty percent, you have time to fly. Go for it. I like that eighty percent time to fly. So speaking of the assurance and time to fly, what are some of the biggest lessons you you would say you've learned on this journey? Oh man, uh, get a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I jokingly say that, but uh, like as we've gone through our, you know, financing rounds, uh, you you really learn to appreciate your legal counsel, and uh, and they can you know make your life much much easier whenever you're working with a venture capital firm. Uh, other than that, like I'd say, surround yourself with good people. Uh, there's, you know, I can't say enough about how important it is that you surround yourself with the right people and, and that people who really like believe in your mission, who, who are doing these things for the right reasons. And we've been incredibly lucky. Like I mentioned, you know, my co-founder, uh, there is no way that Syzygy would be where we're at today without Dr. Kadiwata. You know, having somebody that I can count on in any situation who I know will get the work done and, and do it right is, is immeasurable. Yeah, you know, and also our other co-founders, uh, Professor Nordlander and Professor Hollis from Rice University. I got they're they're two of the most esteemed researchers in the field. Yeah, you know, we're just I'm so gracious that that I get the opportunity to work with them. And yeah, you know, I know there's probably a question about well, how do you how do you meet the right people? You know, it's it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You got to go network. You got to go knock on people's door. Like, uh, you know, if, if there's somebody you can call don't wait till tomorrow like call them today and uh, if somebody won't give you the time of day well then they're not the right person for you uh, there's you know tons of fish in the sea and there are tons of great people out there if if you focus on like, going back to that purpose like you know, doing the right thing and doing good for the world you'll find other people who can align with that mission and and you know, surround yourself with those kind of people and you'll be amazed at what can happen. Trevor, I really appreciate you sharing all that and, you know, loaded with advice and words of wisdom. This has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anything that we have not explored that you'd like to talk about or share before we go? Uh, on a final note, I, I would just like to say, you know, climate change is scary and it is a big problem that's facing the world right now, but I'm actually more optimistic about the future in, in regards to climate change than, than I ever have been in my entire life. Through this journey with Syzygy, I've had the pleasure of meeting so many great entrepreneurs who were fighting this fight. You know, through, through our investors, the engine, you have groups like Commonwealth Fusion, you know, uh, via separation. You know, these people are, are committed 
driven, you know, focused on doing the right thing. And I think that there is enough energy and enough capital out there in the world that we're going to get this done. It's going to be a bumpy road for the next decade, but I am genuinely optimistic about uh, our prospects come 2030. And, and I do like to end on that positive note. <laughs> well, I guess for those of you on the fence regarding, you know, what to do about climate change, if you're 80% there, then it's time to take the leap. Would you say, Trevor? Uh, I, I would agree. You know, put, put some thought into it, mitigate your risk, but uh, you know, don't be afraid to take the jump. Well, I really appreciate you, Trevor, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Raj. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please give us a rating and review at Apple Podcast. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production. And if you want to show your support and help us grow, please share with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle.